2: Hello and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a Conversation of Hope for Tuesday, September 29th. I'm Terry Arango with my guest, Chef Wendell Fowler. Chef Wendell is a nationally known speaker on the power of Whole Foods, the host of Eat Right Now on Wish TV 8 CBS Indianapolis, Indiana, a syndicated health columnist, the ambassador to the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, a caterer to in-flight NBA charters for 16 years, And the author of Eat Right Now, The Dawning of the Age of Asparagus, and Eat Pure, Eat Fresh, Eat Local. He also was awarded 12 gold medals for Chef's Eat Right Now, Holistic Health Column by the North American Mature Publishers Association, and two bronze medals from the American Culinary Federation Competition. Our topic today, Diet for Death or Whole Foods for Health. Chef Wendell, thanks for taking your lunch hour with us. Thank you. But you told me that you were a chef back in Boston, was it?
3: <laughs> I sure was. I'm not sure you'd call it a chef, but uh, I used to work the Delicatessens, and I went out there in the summer of love, and as we all do when we hit that 17- or 18-year-old age. And, uh, yes, I worked the deli circuit and did my growing up in Boston as opposed to Indiana, where I am now.
2: Now, by summer of love, do you mean love for butter? Or...
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, at that time, yes. I was blissfully unaware that food had anything to do with my health. It was just something I put in my tummy to stop the grumbling. Yes, now, the summer of love, yes, that was a wonderful time of life, wasn't it? Well, are, Were you there?
2: <laughs> um, yes, I was there, and I, I really appreciate the, uh, the tagline to your book, uh, The Dawning of the Age of Asparagus, Give Peas a Chance.
3: Oh yeah, that you know if I put patchouli oil on there and done a scratch and sniff thing, I would have hit the (laughs) trifecta.
2: That would have been a really good idea. Well, here's a true or false question: Medical doctors and chefs always have more than two hours of schooling in nutrition.
3: Oh yeah, uh where'd you hear that information? Well, no, they really they rarely receive anything. The emphasis is just not there. I started cooking when I was seventeen years old. No one ever once mentioned during my entire. 30, 35-year career that food was anything more than just a pleasure machine, uh, a delivery method for for just satisfaction, temporary satisfaction, and, and self gratification at that time. But uh, no, no, doctors don't get it. I, my own brother is a, is a physician, and he reaffirms that they they just gloss over it and go buy it, and it's just a uh, little little blip on the, on their radar. It doesn't really mean much.
2: Yet it's so foundational to the human body. Pardon me? Yet, food is so, diet is so foundational to the human body.
3: Oh, absolutely. It, diet is our destiny. You know, when we think about eating, and when we think about breathing and sleeping and eating, those are the three most primary functions that people have in order to stay alive. Uh, we emphasize sleeping. We know good night's rest gives the strength of the day. We know that breathing is obviously unnecessary. However, we've kind of diminished the role of eating in our society and put it in the category of just a pleasure more than sustenance, something that when we eat, food protects, builds, repairs, restores, and we've never been really influenced by any outside source in our lifetime, Uh, let's say since the post-industrial revolution, that food was anything other than just a pleasure and something to make money from.
2: Well, I know somewhere in history somebody said something good about food. Would this be a good time to throw in something about Hippocrates?
3: Oh yes well, yeah when i, I see I almost died in thousand nine hundred and eighty eight I weighed three hundred pounds in thousand nine hundred and eighty eight I was a stereotypical chef. you know I smoked cigarettes and drank alcohol, and my balanced diet at that time in my life was a bucket of the kernel in one hand and a box of crispy Kreens in the other and that was balanced to me. Um, I ended up getting very, very sick. Uh, I was told in one thousand nine hundred and eighty eight I was going to die uh, that alone can be rather motivating i 'm sure you 'll agree. Um, and at that time, I was a chef. I didn't really look at my occupation as anything other than just buying a hot dog and selling it for a buck. When I walked out of the hospital two weeks later, it was truly a miracle. I decided, and I'd heard about Hippocrates' comment that "let food be thy medicine, and let medicine be thy food." I thought, "Hmm, I survived this problem here. You know, I owe my creator." the rest of my life, my career, whatever it is. What can I do? You know, in other words, it was like, hey, you know, uh, universe, my life in return for what? Because it was a miracle. I should have died. My heart was doubled in size. I was an atrial fib. Eight pounds of fluid surrounded my heart. My electrical system would shut down. I was a mess. I was just basically another order of French fries and a cigarette away from a very long nap uh, that I didn't want to take. And I just decided right then that I would just, you know, subscribe to the Hippocraterian concept. And I just became unexplainably to myself attracted to the concept of food as medicine, or food as being the original fuel that was supposed to go in my body. So I just started on this journey. 20 years later, it's no different than it was 20 years ago. Food is our destiny, food is the, the basis. Of everything that we are. Food becomes who we are. Food becomes part of us. Mm-hmm. This all became very, very um, clear to me at that time.
2: And hence your epiphany from Krispy Kremes to Avocado Dreams.
3: Yeah, that's right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you know, the desire is still there. It's innate in all of us to to crave things that we don't like. We're risk takers, aren't we? We we bungee jump, we drive without seatbelts, we eat steak tartare, <laughs> we do all sorts of things, but I think uh, Americans and humans by nature are risk takers.
2: Mm. Well, what is your overarching mantra of why Americans have seen such a rise in chronic diseases, and what are these
3: diseases? Well, I think we've seen a tremendous rise in chronic diseases post-industrial revolution when we switched from hunter-gatherers gardeners, where we, we, took, we lived off the land, a sustainable situation. When we switched away from that, and everybody will argue the point that, well, how are we going to feed the masses if we don't switch to this? Well, we did pretty well before that. We were able to feed millions and millions of people. It's when the money entered the picture. Post-industrial revolution, you could almost parallel the increase in diseases at almost the same rate they grew, so did our mass consumption of processed foods. And we all know that processed foods have been devitalized. Their their basic energy and life force has been extracted from them for the purpose of convenience and, and mass production. That's when we started getting into trouble, I believe. And that I think we have not diverted from that path over the last 100 years. And that's why I think we see these just really sad pandemics of I call it diabesity. It's not a new phrase, but diabetes, obesity and all the ancillary diseases, uh cancer wasn't it nearly as prevalent in those era, in those times um, as it is today. Nor was heart disease, nor was diabetes, nor were a lot of gastric and um, gastrointestinal diseases. It's all kind of post industrial revolution. Um, and I think that's where we've gotten into trouble. We haven't we haven't gone away. We have powerful influences on us every day from the minute we wake up and the radio goes off, the TV goes on. Um, we have billboards, we have magazines screaming at us with lots of information. It's almost overload. Um, it's raining restaurants. There's billboards saying eat more meat and, you know, this sort of thing. And we've, we've just been swayed psychologically by marketing advertising, people spending enormous amounts of money on disinformation. And we all kind of know where this comes from. It comes from the people that produce it and want us to eat their design for us. You know, the standard American diet was invented, created, contrived, whatever you want to do, called many, many, many decades ago. And that's what we've been using as a template for America's nutrition. When if you were to analyze what the standard diet American diet, S-A-D, represents, it doesn't even meet the minimum requirements of the 40 vitamins and minerals and trace minerals that a human being needs on a daily basis for the body to, as I said before, heal, repair, rebuild, sustain, and make our bodies flourish as we were intended to do.
2: Well, what is the human's ideal diet that's in harmony with the
3: body? Well, I do believe that my mantra is pure, fresh, and local. We're going back, and I think it's wonderful. We are becoming locovores again, and I'm sure that phrase is nothing new to anybody who's listening. I think it's time that we challenge the current zeitgeist of factory-produced food and return to the garden, wholesome, sustainable, and you know we need to do it as, as, as soon as we can. The food is based, on the most important nutritional elements the body needs the most valuable proteins the most valuable fats um, and then our body takes it and takes charge and distributes it throughout the body to the most critical areas the food we eat today has been nutritionally altered so much that our cells where all the activity happens do not understand let's call it a language What our cells do understand is the language of the universe. We're all of our, I'd say, I call it the um, universal apothecary. That's the information that our cells understand and know what to do with. We've been eating so against that for so many years. We've not met our genetic needs, and this is where we've gotten in trouble. We've gone from hunter-and-gatherer to someone who just ripped something off the shelf. We need to eat more plant foods. Very small amounts of clean locally derived animal protein, not from a factory farm or genetically modified, because there's been not too much testing done on genetically modified foods at all. Plus, I don't think man will ever get the whole idea that he can't improve on something that's perfect that comes from the universe, and this is where we get in trouble. Every time man tries to improve on, let's say, God's work, he invariably messes it up, and there we go. And, And we need to eat more fish. However, the conundrum is, The problem currently is as we're being told to eat more fish because we need the omega-3s and and all the other vitamins and minerals that are in fish and a clean protein. However, at the same time, we're being warned by the FDA, by the EPA, that literally every body of water in America, let's just focus on America right now, estuaries, rivers, streams, lakes, ponds, marshes, oceans are so polluted that most every fish now that we, that we go to to seek to get these omega-3s, for example, are full of chemical contaminants. And when we eat them, of course, they're stored in our body. Now, don't get me started on factory farming because they're even the worst. They're more polluted than free uh, swimming fish in the ocean. Um, we put They're feeding fish farms, now byproducts from the factory farming industry, So that's why they have to give salmon little orange pills (laughs) Ooh! in order to get them to look orange, so we'll buy them. It's such an unnatural diet, so we're not getting anything at all from fish.
2: And, And more on these dirty little secrets when we come back to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel with Chef Wendell.
5: Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern day renaissance man Ori Hoffmechler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival.
4: your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're
2: back with Chef Wendell, and before the break, Chef Wendell was telling us how the farm-raised salmon were fed all sorts of junk and then given little orange pills to make them look appetizing to consumers in the stores, um, and that's just that's just disgusting. Did you want to follow up on that? What else has happened?
3: Well, that, yeah, it's funny what we do. It's amazing how we compromise our values for money, but, you know, ever since it's been going on for thousands of years, so we shouldn't be too surprised, but... Um, yeah, you know, there's other things that we eat that are so abnormal. Like, why do? What's wrong with mother's milk? I see people serving uh, babies uh, milk out of a can. Those things that kind of bothers me. Um, those kind of unnatural things, genetically modified foods, and no research has been done on any of this stuff. And it's just, it's just pathetic. It really is. I think you'll agree.
2: Well, salmon is one of the few fish that people are told uh, doesn't have. The, the high mercury content, such as as tuna. Um, so it's it's really sad to hear that the salmon is compri- compromised. And you know, listeners know that uh, I deal with the issue of mercury often uh, because of the the vaccine issue. So I deal with with controversy. And one of the things that the naysayers and detractors try to say is uh you know there's something genetic going on that's why we see uh such a, a rise in autism there's there's an epidemic of autism but they try to blame it on genetics and as we all know there can't be a genetic epidemic um do, do you feel that our post industrial diet that you talked about has made us more metabolically vulnerable to disease
3: I couldn't agree more Terry because you're absolutely right When we eat against our design, we start morphing ourselves. We're becoming something we were not intended to be. We are not eating in the least according to our diet. So if this goes on for generations, the parents pass down their genes to to their children. It's just this amazing cycle. I would say that all of our diseases right now, because we are in pandemics, that's worldwide, we know that, our cause and the last thing industry wants us to do is, is make this statement. But it's because we have been fed an unnatural diet that's been forced upon us through marketing, advertising, uh, the inept standard American diet, and because we have not been receiving. As you know, disease is primarily a lack of a nutrient in the body. We're just, we're just malnourished a little bit. We are starting to change. You know, you want to get into evolutionary changes. Everybody changes and adapts to their diet and their bodies change. Look at the violence we see in the world right now. Children killing children. Babies being thrown in dumpsters and violence like we've never seen before. I do believe that food is responsible. The lack of quality food is responsible for the changes, yes, that we see in our culture today. And it's not just America. It's worldwide. America, America's tentacles of bad food have now oozed all the way to other countries who have eaten healthy with their indigenous diet all their lives. But once this poisonous pizza hut, dominoes Uh, Burger King, all these uh, merchants of death, I call them, the Colonel Sanders, um, when we start feeding that to those demographics, those cultures, civilizations, whatever you want to call them, they too become ill like America. So yes, I would say there's lots of evidence to indicate and implicate our inferior quality food due to greed and the proliferation of diseases, very sad diseases in America today, yes, without a doubt.
2: So you're saying that uh, disease is a, a character, is a byproduct or manifestation of uh, a lack of being able to utilize nutrients. And so, would it make sense that toxins, whether they be from the diet or from vaccines or from pollution um, or any environmental triggers, would affect our body's metabolic system and ability to utilize nutrients?
3: Absolutely. You know, a lot of people will come out and defend and say, oh, you can't say that about our particular product. Well, maybe so, but it's the combination of all the outside influences. If they were to dissect any human on the planet right now, there would be over 700 particles of compounds in our system that were not ordained to go into our system. So it's the combination of being bombarded from the left, from the right, from the center, from everywhere, from back behind, with foods that are so unnatural and full of chemicals that we are basically toxic waste dumps and everybody's trying to get themselves detoxed right now. Yes, it's a combination of all these factors, I would say, Terry.
2: Yeah, I think that, uh, just when, when man thinks he's taken apart the, the human genome and, and discovered these things and is oh so smart, we've irreparably altered.
3: Wow. Our are
2: going to be the next generation of Klingons?
3: Oh, absolutely, not very well. But yes, we yeah we have totally messed it up, and we are mutating, and you see it every day. Our poor, you know, Perry, we're basically a malnourished as, a, as a, a culture here in in America. We are suffering from malnutrition. Well, I mentioned earlier that diseases or, or, or illnesses are sometimes caused by a lack of a nutrient. Let me focus in on zinc for a for example. I worked a holistic um, uh, integrative health care system for a while. Men came in constantly wanting to know why, if they could get the little blue pill, or they had prostate problems. Well, before we'd give them anything, we would test their blood for, you know, the vitamin spectra cell test. And invariably, 9 out of 10 men tested zero for zinc in their body. So now they've got, you know, zinc is perfect prostate food. So what would happen was we would say, look, why don't you go ahead, on the way home, I'm not going to give anything today, go home and buy yourself a zinc manganese supplement, very cheap, come back and see me two weeks. Well, <laughs> we always knew when the persons were coming back in, and we'd be alert to the fact. Each time one of these men would come back in, he would almost be dancing on the air, sliding to the lobby like Tom Cruise on his sneakers and underwear going, yippee,
4: I'm back.
3: Now they're able to perform sexually, and also their prostate health. They're not getting it five times in the night to go urinate. All it was was a simple little nutritional deficiency due to a poor diet. Where do you get zinc? Well, a lot of foods are zinc come in, we don't eat regularly because they've not been promoted to Americans. These are things, oh, let's push this off to the side. We want them to eat this instead. So as we can see in a lot of cases, a lot of diseases, a lot of problems we have, are due to a lack of a certain nutrient in our body.
2: Now, now, Chef Wendell, why would you be prescribing a ten dollar bottle of nutritional supplements when you could be prescribing a three hundred dollar bottle of prescription drugs?
3: Well, because I have a conscience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I've not been ethically, I'm not ethically malnourished as a lot of our corporate. <laughs> Good, our <countries>.
2: ethically malnourished. <laughs>
3: Oh, yes, that's going on. But, you know, I keep having to remind myself, this is nothing new. This has been going on for centuries and centuries.
2: You know, and if you, if you take care of problems where they can, and everybody, pardon my French, sexually perform, um, you know, you can keep having kids that way, too. And, uh, oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, that's what we need, more kids.
2: <laughs> well, no, I, a lot you know I'm of people have problems with, with that, with doing what's necessary to have kids.
3: Well, I mean, we all have the right to to procreate and reproduce and all of this, but we have a problem with the Earth right now. We're overtaxed. It would take what three planet Earths to provide the energy to all the world if everybody left, lived like Americans did. You know, we're straining our resources. We're at a, I think a twenty percent faster rate than we can replace them, and that's the only reason I was saying that. I don't mean to. Oh no, my
2: my point is that. Uh- that people are having all sorts of fertility and reproductive problems was oh. of their disease, the disease state.
3: Oh, without a doubt. Oh, yes, yes. Well, that's part of the morphing of the human. You know, I call it the holy temple, if you will. We're we're eating so against our nature. We're not able to reproduce. You're right, as, as we are designed to do. It, it, we're just being the chemicals, all the outside influences, the contaminants, the mercury, you know, all affect our body's ability to be what it was designed to be and to operate the way it was designed to operate, without a doubt.
2: So I want to follow up on a few points that you made earlier and then go forward. Um, you talked... Uh, we, we talked last week on this program with Dr. Nancy Mullen and observed that um, cooked foods, it was discovered ages ago, decades ago, that cooked foods created an adverse immune response while raw foods did not create that adverse Immune response, and also you coined the term "locavores." Mm -hmm. Uh, Lisa Lundy, uh, who uh, greatly helped her daughter, who would have been a modern-day bubble child, um, helped her child with, for one thing, a rotation diet. And Lisa observes that in the olden days, decades ago, there wasn't all this mass transportation and shipping, so. So people ate a natural rotation diet, things grown locally and things that were seasonal. And another point that you made was about aggression, how much aggression there is now. So let's talk about Uh ADD, ADHD, so attention deficit disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and, and aggression. What kinds of things do you think can be in a typical child's diet that can cause ADD, ADHD, aggression, stuff like flavorings, colorings, preservatives? What do these come oh, yes.
3: from? Yes, without a doubt. The flavorings and colorings are rather insidious. I, there's been too much research that concludes that by eating, well, let's say, coal tar based colorings do exacerbate aggressive behavior in ADD and ADHD patients. I shouldn't say patients for the sake of
2: another word. Okay, we're um, going to pick up with this when we come back. Sorry about that. I hear the break music, so we're going to pick up with this when we come back with Chef Wendell. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzo and we'll be right
4: back. Opinions, options,
1: answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Terry.
2: We're back with Chef Wendell, and before the break, Chef Wendell was talking about Uh, diet and the relationship to ADD, ADHD, and symptoms of aggression. And uh, you mentioned coal tar. Now, what is that?
3: Coal tar. It's a byproduct of the coal industry. The sweet and low, for example. Um, There was a man working one time in a laboratory with some coal tar, and he got some on his skin. He wasn't thinking, and he licked his finger, and he noticed it was sweet. Bingo! That was the invention of sweet and low. And for, what, 50 years, it held the... Dubious honor of having on its side may cause cancer in laboratory animals, and this all came at a time I was in the hospital recovering uh, from a disease. And I read the packet and thinking, "Gosh, I'm going to get killed in here. I need to get out." But coal tar, yes, that's a terrible, terrible thing. That, that's that's um, it's ubiquitous. It's what food colorings are made from. The most toxic ones.
2: So foods and supplements that have coal tar in them or artificial colorings. Artificial coloring have coal in
3: them? Primarily, yeah. yeah. I would say you would say the majority of them do. And they're having, you know, turmeric is what we should be using, or beet juice. Instead, man has found this amazing uh, byproduct of it. A, a lot of our diet in America is byproducts, if you were to think about it. Oleo was invented to fatten up turkeys in the early 1900s, and instead of filling, fattening them up, it started killing them. <laughs> so they said, oh, my God, we're going to do this technology let's call it margarine and sell them to the masses, and therefore you know, that's how margarine got it slipped off. So a byproduct product of another failed industry.
2: Okay, so what are the multicolored foods that are bad for our kids and cause symptoms like ADD, ADHD, and what are the good multicolored foods for our kids?
3: Well, absolutely. Well, if we look at that that concept there of what foods are, we only have to look at the grocery store shelves and look at cuckoo poker and Fruity Pebbles and all these things that are alluringly colorful because color indicates quality to people. It says, I want to buy this. It lures them to it. It's mostly in the grocery store and the grocery store sales, and it has a barcode on it, as we talked about before. We have to get away from food colorings. Uh, I think you read in Lancet, where the first to come out, the English version of JAMA came out with an um, a enlightening story probably eight or nine years ago, if not more, mm-hmm. regarding the food colorings in the food system, and America is the only nation that has not banned the use of these because of the aggressive look at our bully situation we have now in America. We hear the word bully a lot more in children and adults. Aggressive behavior, behavior. You know, these are what happen when we eat foods that are not intended to go inside, as I call it, the holy temple. Bad, bad juju, uh, bad mojo. We can't have that.
2: I would tend to think that toxins like mercury would make people aggressive, too.
3: Without a doubt, yes, yes. Again, you're putting something in your body that's useless. It's an irritant. It's a toxin. Your body's reacting to it, and it reacts to it both physiologically and mentally.
2: Right, and it really stresses you. So you have this saying, our mood is in the food.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, I'm on TV a lot, and I found that to be a good shtick, but the thing is, it's so true. Food, everything. What you eat right now, what you ate this morning, or how you—excuse me—how you feel at this very moment is the end result of the last meal you ate. So, if you ate a heavy meal of a cinnabon this morning and had heavy, half and half in your coffee with three teaspoons of sugar, you're probably in a really not a good mood by ten o'clock in the morning. You're sleepy and tired. On the other hand, if you had eaten an easy to digest meal that was nourishing and your body responded to it, you'd be high as a kite, feeling energetic, mental clarity. This is why corporate America is struggling right now in this world market. We eat so poorly that we can't get a leg up on the competition because we eat so poorly. We blunt our, our, our virtues, our career skills by eating all the wrong food. So it's not matter whether it's a working man or whether it's a kid in school. We well, can't learn to can right?
2: Which is easier to digest, the cooked? food or the, um, the raw food, which gives us more energy or which t- utilizes more energy when we try to digest it?
3: Well, I think, let's say if, you're, if you had uh, Crohn's or some kind of uh, immune, uh, digestive problem, you would probably want to eat your vegetables a little more cooked. Raw vegetables, yes, they're a little more difficult to digest without a doubt, however, well, not. However, but but what, the raw foods also contain all the amino acids that help in digestion, and they contain all the vitamins and minerals that we need to stay healthy. Cooked food, on the other hand, it's been depleted nutritionally. Right. That's why we don't want to cook them to death.
2: Right. But what about if I blenderize my raw
3: vegetables?
2: And then I oh, have and the I mean, fiber and all the nutrients and the enzymes.
3: Well, I think that's fine. I think think juicing is wonderful. Oh, my gosh, yes. What a great... You know, if you can't chew it, at least swallow it. You know, some people don't want to chew so much. So one thing you do by juicing, though, when you do those things, you're bypassing the very first process of digestion because digestion begins in the mouth through chewing and the release of enzymes through your your saliva to help break down food. So I don't think it's the end of the world, but I think that just... Shooting down, because I do this regularly, I'll blend up some carrots and strawberries and fruit and all these wonderful things, make this wonderful beverage, and it feels good because I'm getting probably five to six of my daily vitamins or fruits and vegetables or seven or eight in that one drink. If you have diverticulizer or Crohn's, I'm not sure exactly whether eating anything raw, even if it's pre-pureed or not, is, is going to affect your, your GI tract and maybe maybe make you react, and I don't want that to happen to people. Lightly cooking vegetables brings out a little bit of, I'm talking about steaming, I'm talking about lightly roasting in the oven, but not like we used to take green beans and put a piece of pork in it and cook for 12 hours, you know. That kind of cooking just destroys any type of nutrition. And that's what we need to find, that balance right between is what we need to find.
2: What's the difference between juicing and blending?
3: Well, I don't know, I, I guess it's a, it's, sometimes it's a semantic thing. In my mind, juicing is what I do. I take a, a juicer and I extract carrot juice and beet juice and drink that, where I think the other other item you talked about was more or less just pureeing things and eating them complete uh-huh. with the fiber. I think juicing doesn't allow for fiber to come through, for example. Right.
2: right. Okay, let's get back to, to talking about the kids. We were talking about our mood is in the food and how you'd feel better if you ate a more healthful meal and you wouldn't be falling asleep at your desk at 10 o'clock and killing the American economy um, to boot. But with kids, how do you feel about giving psychotropic drugs for behaviors?
3: Well, goodness gracious. I, oh, I think it's, on, it's sad that we have to rely on that rather than a nutritional diet. Um, we can't yeah. give kids... So I, dogs. I really don't think we should. Now, there's some cases I'm sure that we have to, Terry. But on the other hand, if, if well, let me give you an example. I was giving a lecture the other day to a group of kids and the parents were their schools use me a lot to come and talk about this. I said, what did everybody have for breakfast today? Oh, I had this. My mommy made fruit for me and this, that, and the other. And one lady girl says, one girl says, why, the candy bar and Dr. Pepper? Oh, my goodness. Later on, she comes up and apologizes to me and says, Mr. Fowler, I don't always eat like that. My mommy this morning just didn't have enough time to toast my Pop-Tart. Ah, oh, shoot. Yeah, we eat my hair. What's left of my hair stood on end. And I thought, here's a good example. You know, parents have to, almost almost we need to talk to the parents more than we do the children because the parents are the first teachers a child really has. Kids love us. They look to us for assistance. We need to love them back by giving them the proper direction because the influence is just profound.
2: But look. On on the side of the box in the nutrition panel, right above the barcode, there's all these nutrients listed.
3: (laughs) You mean fake nutrients have been put back in? Yeah, right. Those are usually made from those are usually synthetic vitamins made from petroleum. Our body doesn't cannot use those things. It just because you know, you can take a dog log (laughs) and ice it in icing and it's still a dog log, if you know what I mean. That's what they do. They keep repackaging and putting things all this fortified Food that's coming out right now is just a waste of money. It's just another way for big corporate America fat cats to separate um, the money from our wallets. We need to get our, our nutrition and food, our nutrition and vitamins and minerals from the true source, and that's the original source, and that's from nature, from plant food, from nuts, from seeds, from whole grains, uh, from probiotic yogurts, and all these various things, not from a box of cereal, extruded cereal, a bath that's been colored and they put a little synthetic vitamin B12 on there until you're going to feel better. Well, that doesn't help anybody except the bottom line of the manufacturer.
2: What about that thin layer of blueberry? Isn't that, isn't that an antioxidant?
3: <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, right. In, 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 in a blinded uh, uh, corporate fat cat's mind, yes, it is, because that's what they believe. I do believe they have to eat their own food, because how do I how could they think in these terms?
2: Tell us about antioxidants—real antioxidants, real antioxidants uh, coming from the diet or good nutritional supplements without coal tar and, and artificial colorings—and and, and um, other things that we can give our kids to uh, increase detoxification and resistance to disease.
3: Well, that's it. You know, the antioxidants are so important because they do—they reduce the risk of cancer and early life mortality. They're um, I call them the colon pow of my digestion tract because they're loaded with fiber, <laughs> and and each each vegetable has its own nutritional virtues and and antioxidants are literally in all plant plant products, uh, earthly products. Antioxidants keep down free radical. Uh, damage that's done to the body, free radical um, antioxidants, help prevent heart disease. And, Terry, we've seen, we have kids now having signs of heart disease in their early teens, late teens, heart attacks. Uh, there's cholesterol levels in our youth, uh, our children now, that are astronomical. I heard the local State Board of Health president here in Indiana come out not too long ago, and we've all heard this before. Uh, this will be the first generation of parents that outlived their children. Oh, boy. So, isn't that amazing?
2: Wow, that's awful.
3: It is true, and that's very true because we're so lazy. I have parents tell me, like, oh, it's such a nuisance to cook healthy for my kids. Let them eat cooked vegetables. Or let, <laughs> I don't even want a mess of vegetables. That's not an excuse, Terry, because we can go to the freezer and buy a bag of IQF frozen vegetables. Hold on, just what we need. Reintroduce the children to where food came from. The Antioxidants—they're um, more important uh, now than ever. Um, our bodies undergo oxidative stress, and, right. and this destroys our healthy, our healthy cells.
2: Right. So the, the pollution outside's gone up, but our ability to cope with it from our diet has gone down.
3: Right, because no one really cares about the American health. It, it, it's not—it's not an important issue. Uh, look, look at our health care system. I think our our debacle right now with the health care system is due to the fact that we've eaten so poorly over the years that with the health has turned out to be extremely profitable business, so let's not, let's not break that down. And gee, let's not. We don't want people to take vitamins, so that's why you have people going after vitamin companies and right. poking, trying to poke holes in everything that we say is good.
2: All right, and let's continue with this thought when we come back from break at the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzo Medica. We'll be right back.
4: Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kinda like Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt?
5: Yeah, be like, oh, uh, oh! Uh, There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1 888 200 4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Oranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry.
2: Before the break, Chef Wendell, you alluded to um, certain forces trying to restrict our access to nutritional supplements, and I think a lot of people don't realize where Codex is coming
3: from. Well, that's true. Well, big pharma is is, is basically behind it. Um, if you look back at some of the earlier writings, you look back at um, uh, Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, early writings of uh, not you know, Orson. Um, I'm trying to think of Orson Welles. Is <laughs> not thinking of Orson Welles. Okay, they're coming. Me in a minute. But anyway, they all predicted the last big battle of America would be America against pharmacopia, and of course these are the people that produce all these chemicals, and they don't want us eating healthy. Uh, they make too much money. Uh, off our illness, and I do believe that's a sad, sad, pathetic, pathetic, sad thing to admit. But Big Pharma wants us to be sick; they don't want us to be healthy. This is why they're doing their best to confuse. Uh, if you look on TV and you look at an ad for a, a pharmaceutical drug on TV, it's horrifying. You know, your skin will look great, but your nose will fall off. I mean, you know what's your what's your trade-off for health and a pill? Everybody wants an instant cure, and they know that. Why?
2: Why is this? Connected? Are there similar uh, industries or, or companies that are producing pharmaceuticals and food-like
3: substances? Well, yeah, that's a good way. Edible food-like substances is very good. Well, yes, I do believe that. Well, also comes from big the big food industry too. I think we're going to see a revolution coming up very soon against the food industry because people are starting to become aware that we're being poisoned for profit and our kids are a big Petri dish of experimentation, we've gotten away. Uh, and Big Pharma would love nothing more than for us to stay sick because they figure, hey, people are going to get sick, but, hey, we're here to help them. We've got drugs that will not cure them but at least mask the symptoms, and that's what we have been, we've fallen in love with that concept in America.
2: Let's backtrack a little bit. Um, we were talking about antioxidants, and let's talk more. You mentioned turmeric. Let's talk about turmeric, cilantro. Oh, oh regardless of what their benefits are and how parents can incorporate these in their children's
3: diet. Absolutely. With turmeric, I have fun with it. I, I have very bad arthritis and had a knee that was replaced. Another one needs to be replaced and I was taking pain meds for several years and I was just not happy at all. I'm, not, I'm down, but the pain was excruciating. Personally, I have reduced my, I do not even take Tylenol, I wouldn't even take it anyway, but I'm down to just doing turmeric every day in my tea for my inflammatory problems. Now, all of our bodies, even little bodies, are inflamed. So turmeric is all, all general all over a good tonic for the body to reduce inflammation. It cleans out the liver. If you look at India, they have the lowest rates of Alzheimer's uh, on the planet, and it's because they, they daily ingest ginger and turmeric, two powerful anti-inflammatories, and also liver cleansers. Um, garlic is another one that is an anti-heart uh, disease sort of uh, drug. Uh, I, I call food a drug because that's where it comes from. Um, you mentioned cilantro. There's some interesting, fascinating studies, and, and I was laughed at about this several years ago. But now there's too much truth. To in China, in the um, I guess it was about a decade ago, there was a study going on in central China where they're monitoring 200 people on a daily basis. They drew their blood every day. Halfway through the test of weeks, it was on for four weeks, I believe. Halfway through it, they switched chefs, and but all of a sudden, everybody started noticing in their urine there were lots of heavy metals being excreted. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's, what's changed here? After research and going back, they found out the first chef didn't use any cilantro. The second chef used cilantro and everything. It's a heavy metal magnet. So anytime we can get cilantro in our body, we can at least hedge our bet. So if you're going to eat some salmon contaminated with, with mercury, make a cilantro pesto. See, that's what I call functional food, is using it pure. So all these, all these little herbs, they've been around for years. We just don't get told about them because they don't want us to know about it. And it's not a paranoid um, conspiracy attitude I have. These are just facts.
2: Oh, no, it's okay. I hear that they've um, now coined a new diagnosis for people who want to eat healthfully. healthfully.
3: Oh, What is that? What do they call them? Nuts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I, uh, haven't uh, independently uh, investigated this yet. A friend of mine told (laughs) me that there's a diagnosis now for people who uh, want to eat more healthfully, organic. and you know.
3: Well, the locavores. You're talking about locavores?
2: Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, that, you know, that's so true. And we're going to have to go back to that eventually, Terry. We're not going to be able to get food that comes in 2,000 miles away that was picked three weeks before it was mature and then gassed on my I've seen the gas chambers here in Indianapolis where they take in white strawberries, put them in a gas chamber, turn the ethylene gas on, and tomorrow you have beautiful red strawberries. But they're nutritionally bankrupt. You know, you see the white shoulders. On the other hand, you got strawberries out in Watson Valley, California, being sprayed with carcinogens that they have to. The guys that spray them have to wear biohazard suits. So,
2: oh, know, okay. this is what we need
3: to see. Yeah, lovely. I was
2: having I was having salmon and strawberries for lunch. What well, am I going to do now? Wash um, them. <laughs> we talked about Kodak, and you're talking about how they are adulterating these foods that are supposed to be healthful. What is going on with industry trying to limit our healthful food choices insofar as organic farming?
3: Well, again, I think the agribusiness in America is a, is, is a increasingly powerful uh, player in this whole thing. And, and Monsanto is, of course, the ringleader of it. And I'll probably get a nice little call from Monsanto here, which I do regularly. But they don't every, they don't want us eating organic. They want us eating their food. They're the most arrogant group of people I've ever met in my life. You know, they're a place in hell for them. I'm sure you're great. But anyway, it, 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 agribusiness has taken over. That's why we, that's why America slowly dismantled the family farm. Where we used to get wholesome, wonderful, beautiful produce loaded with, brimming with a constellation, a rhapsody of beautiful chemicals and vitamins and minerals that our body so desperately needs. But Monsanto couldn't control it, so let's, uh, let's do what we can to shut down, confuse people about organics, do everything we can to tell them it's just a bunch of poo-poo. We have to think for ourselves. We can no longer let someone else do our thinking for us, like a Jolly Green Giant or McDonald's or Poppin' Fresh and all these, these mascot icons are telling us what to eat. We need to start thinking about, thinking for ourselves and dismantle this industrial pollution of the human body.
2: How can we keep thinking for ourselves if they keep trying to dumb us down?
3: Well, we need well keep eating fresh, pure, and clean. Become a locavore. Don't eat. Don't support the factory farm foods. If anybody wants to find out something, go to factoryfarming.com, and your world will be rocked find out what happens to our food before it gets to us. But, no, we need to fight hard and then financially support our community by by frequenting the farmer's markets, supporting the farmers. If you want to eat meat, that's fine. Buy it from a farmer down the street who grew it in the way that it was meant to be grown, not genetically altered and fed other, we turn cows into cannibals, I'm sure you know, because we're feeding other cows over dead cow parts. And, you know, mad cow has been in this country for years and years and years. They can't talk about that. It's called creutzfeldt jacobs disease. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's basically your brain rotting away. And they're also feeding that same tripe to the fish, in the fish farms. So now we have another risk in eating factory farm fish. So it's just it's really pathetic. And, and agribusiness is powerful. They have deep pockets. They can they spend billions of dollars annually to disinform us that we'll make a decision that they want us to make.
2: So pharma- tell them an
3: old, tell them an old hippie.
2: Pharmaceuticals. And, yeah, yeah, I could tell you were with that group called uh, the Free Radicals who want to give hippies a chance. That's right. Yeah, Free the Indianapolis
3: Free Radicals, baby. Yeah, yeah, I am. I, you know, once a hippie, always a hippie. I may have joined the the structure for a point, but I still have a very powerful desire in my heart to get this message out and to take these monsters down for what they're doing and, and that would nothing make me happier
2: well you know Chef Wendell you and I can remember the days when half of our elementary school class wasn't jumping up and down in the chair like jack-in-the-boxes and <laughs> having so many struggles and we want to return the health to the children so thank right. you for this information bringing nutrition forward is the basis for medicine and justice, physician
3: my distinct pleasure
2: Jeff Wendell will be at the Autism One Conference in Chicago next May. For more information about orthomolecular medicine, please visit www.orthomed.org. Oh, wait a minute. We need to give Jeff Wendell's website. What's your website?
3: It's okay, Chef www. Wendell.com.
2: W-E-N-D-E-L-L.com. chefwendell.com. Okay, Okay. The Canadian Society of Orthomolecular Medicine is hosting a public lecture on Friday, October 30th in Toronto featuring Dr. Kenneth Bach, Healing the New Childhood Epidemic, Autism, ADHD, Asthma, and Allergies, with a medical education seminar for professionals following on Saturday. The Autism One, Autism Canada Conference is also at the University of Toronto that same weekend, October 31st, November 1st. Please visit www.autismone.org. Next week, Nancy Collin will be back here with us in Part 2 of the Importance of Nutritional Treatment and look to the schedule for future shows, including Jeff Wendell joining us again talking more about raw, raw foods and whole foods. And thank you to this program sponsor, Enso Medica. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.